This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, on our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. Welcome to Playland. The extreme in maximum security. Each of you has been fitted with a wedlock detention collar. Upon your arrival, they will be activated. Unescapable. As far as I know, no one has ever cracked a wedlock collar and lived to talk about it. Watch! A place where no one has lived beyond its unseen walls. Are you getting it? I'm trying, but you're making me really nervous. Until now. What the hell did you do? Our collars, they're wedlocked, okay? I couldn't, wedlocked? I couldn't disable them completely. The best I could do is rig them to each other so that the signals would be sent to... What? Yeah, we would send the signals to each other instead of this prison transceivers. Much better like that. Isai Morales and Nia Peoples. I mean, as long as we stay together, we're fine. Oh. I'd say we have got 30 to 50 yards. You're telling me that I am stuck with you? Are deadlocked. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration and Sequel 2 Deja Vu. We celebrate everything and anything that is a sequel, sometimes a remake, sometimes a, uh, a reboot or a prequel, but not today. Today we are doing a, It's well, it says on the IMDb that this is not an official sequel, but a reboot or a remake of Wedlock. AKA Deadlock, but we are doing Deadlock 2, AKA Deadlock Escape from Zone 14. And so, whichever way you slice it, this is either a sequel to Wedlock, it's a reimagining, it's a reboot, but it was. It's a whole lot of something. We'll get into that here very shortly. Uh, but my co host and cohort in crime for this evening is Marcus Cook. How are we doing? 
Doing good. <laughs> uh, so you've got your beer ready. I've got my beer ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a uh, as a buddy of mine's show that I co-host on from time to time. Two drink minimum as uh, is, is a commentary show. I feel like this is a, a two at least a three drink minimum show because <laughs> woo. Now we now the, those of you folks that may not have listened at home to the other show, we were, were doing a Rucker Hauer Appreciation Month this past month. And we did uh, the movie Wedlock, a.k.a. Deadlock, because it's known as both, you know, both titles. And uh, Marcus here had suggested that we uh, try doing Deadlock 2, which I thought I had seen, but I'm pretty sure after this uh, recent viewing that I had never seen this. I thought I had. I'm highly mistaken because I would have remembered this turd of a movie. <laughs> yeah, I thought I may have seen it. I knew there was a sequel. But, whoa, wow. <laughs> you know, as we were talking about off the air, I don't remember a damn thing about this. And I feel like you were right when we were talking a bit off the air. This was like they took the original script, retooled it slightly with about half the budget and said, let's just, you know, make this shitty made for TV, made for HBO movie. And it's just it's just bad. It does. You know, it's funny when it comes up as, you know, with three different titles. I think that's what happens when you have like three different uh, writers on this movie, <laughs> you know, Deadlock, yeah. Deadlock 2, Escape from Zone 14. And, and I don't understand why they call it Escape from Zone 14. Zone 14 is what, about a 10 minute section of the movie? It's kind of like, uh, you know, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Thunderdome is just like a very, very small part of that movie. Yeah. Well, uh, we should we should uh, like maybe back up and just talk briefly about uh, part one, uh, Deadlock, a.k.a. Wedlock and (laughs) why that one's such a great bad film. Well, you know, I think that movie is is great because it's one that has a great cast. It's got Stephen Tobolowsky as the the warden. I mean, it's got it's a great supporting cast with just movie is just sadly missing. Mimi Rogers, (laughs) James Remar. You know, and Joan Chen is a couple of great bad guys, a couple of great villains. This movie has a Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, wannabe, you know, that, that goes around looking like you know, uh, you know, Dollar Dollar General Anton Levey kind of. And, <laughs> and but you know, it does have Stephen McCaddy in it, and Stephen McCaddy is really good at it, but he's hardly in it. He hardly qualifies as the lead villain when he's in like three scenes. But, you know, the first movie has a whole bunch of stuff. It's got a futuristic prison. It's got, you know, again, Rucker Howard. It's got some inventive gags. It's got some great laughs, you know. And this movie, I, I felt like they were trying to do the same thing and have that intentional but not – I'm using air quotes here – not intentional humor. Yeah. But and, and like the first one, yeah, it was shot in 91 and, you know, but it was like in the not too distant future of maybe 92. Uh, <laughs> right. like, this one just seemed like present day. They didn't try and, you know, make this take place anytime in the near distant future. Uh, <laughs> Although they'd still have the same title at the beginning sometime in the near future. But it was like they didn't even try like their futuristic ve- cop vehicles were like 95, you know. Dodge Ram 1500s. I even made a note of that, that like the futuristic cars of the future, 95 Dodge Ram 1500s, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're uh, antiques. They're, yeah, at that point, yeah, they're antiques now. But let me go ahead and give the quick IMDb synopsis, which is pretty much like a full blown synopsis at this point. But Deadlocked, a.k.a. Deadlock 2 is as follows. Tony is framed by Claremont for a murder he didn't commit. He is sent to prison, but Claremont promises him freedom if he can find Allie in the prison and bring her out. 
Ali and Tony soon join forces, and the actual escape from the prison is a small part of what they will eventually go through together. That seems like it was written by a fucking fifth grader, to be quite honest. And they're like, yeah, I like how they very much mention, like, and the prison is a small part of what they will go through. Because it's just like, yeah, the prison happens, like, in a blink of an eye, and then it's just the rest of this meandering movie that's kind of trying to be, like, the first deadlock. Yeah, yeah. I just, I didn't get it. I it, This movie committed to what I, I consider the cardinal sin. It was boring. Yeah, it, it suffers from sequelitis, as I call it. Yeah. Like, you know, half the budget and then just, like, kind of don't care what happens. And and it was rampant a lot in the, you know, 90s. Like, there was, like, a bunch of these sequels that just, like, never hit the mark. They're not, like, good sequels. Like, you have, like, Texas Chainsaw, and then you have Texas Chainsaw 2. You have right. Evil Dead, and then you have Evil, you know, Dead 2. Like, where they kind of reinvent themselves, one-up themselves, and get, like, you know, crazy fun better. Yeah. Not the case. Not the no. case with Deadlock 2. <laughs> no. No. This was this part of lazy sequelitis, I call it. You know, is this a... Uh... They got lazy. They cut half the budget. They wanted this, you know, they wanted a bigger return with a dwindling budget. It just didn't really, it didn't hit any kind of good notes for me. I did make a note that the director is quite prolific. He has done 57 movies and TV shows, 20 of which are mostly uh, Christmas movies, Christmas Lifetime, Hallmark Channel movies, Graham Campbell. Uh, I didn't notice anything else he'd done that I was really like, ooh, that really stands out. I mean, he, he's prolific. He's working. Anybody with almost 60 credits, uh, directing he's, credits is... He's prolific at forgettable movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said before, this movie is just so boring. And it's just, you know, and I, let me put it this way. When you open up with Comic Sans opening titles, you know you're in for a real fucking treat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and just thankful you, it wasn't Papyrus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no kidding. Oh, well, let's get off into it. I'll get a little bit of the uh, the cast list we got here. I'll ram- ramble off a few names. We got uh, Isai Morales as Tony Archer uh, replacing Rooker Hauer in the hero role, not playing the same role, but he's essentially playing, you know, the same part that Rooker Hauer played to <laughs> varying outcome. Stephen McCaddy as Jack Claremont, the industrial espionage bad guy. Then we got uh, Johnny Cuthbert as Jekyll, the top con. Uh, Nia Peebles is Allie Thompson and really nobody else that I noticed except for Sarah Strange, who played Layla, Tony's ex-girlfriend, who I recognize from uh, the Snowpiercer TV show. So she is still working. I didn't recognize any other names, any other people in here. They were all very, very forgettable. And Isai Morales, you know, he's got he's he's a prolific actor. You know, he's got like 120 some odd credits. So he is constantly working, mostly in TV work where he does really, really well. But like, you know, known for stuff like Bad Boys, you know, the original Bad Boys with Sean Penn, not 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 the, the Will Smith Bad Boys, you know, some NYPD Blue. He played, you know, Richie Valens' little brother in La Bamba, and you know, I mean, he's he's done some stuff. He's even going to be in the next couple Mission Impossible movies, I noticed. So he's working, but he's just not an action hero. He just uh, he's he kind of bumbles his way through it. I, I think he was just like, this is my chance, this is my big break. I'm going to show those people, <laughs> you know, what Esai can do. <laughs> It just doesn't doesn't work. I mean, uh, when he's doing his little tech thing with that, whatever the hell that little box was that was supposed to be taking over the closed circuit television security cameras. And my first thought is maybe he should have charged the batteries. 
Yeah. Well, I was just like, as soon as you kind of whipped that thing out, I was like, well, someone shops at Radio Shack. <laughs> right. High-tech criminal. <laughs> yeah, no no kidding. But, but he's the best in the business, you know? I mean, <laughs> I love when they always use that. And again, using air quotes here, he's the best in the business. But, uh, you know, one, first thing is, first note I have about him, one, he is no Rooker Hauer. Uh, you know, Isai Morales is Tony Archer, the the, you know, the main hero of this movie. It's really, it's, he's a poor replacement for him. But my second uh, note about him is, besides he should have charged the batteries on his high-tech radio shack equipment, is maybe he should have done some cardio because he runs up like three flights of stairs and he has to take a break. <laughs> yeah. The opening <laughs> sequence, you know, super action fast. He's running up, you know, to the 69th floor, to the 70th floor, to, you know, making his way to the 75th floor. But he's all like... <gasps> <laughs> I, was like I was like, is this comedy? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently <What's happened>? so. <laughs> Did they make him start from the bottom? him and work his way all the way up. <laughs> it's for but, my character. <laughs> yeah, it's my character development. He's got asthma, you know. <laughs> but then, like, here, here's my thought on it. He gets caught, you know. He breaks into McCaddy's office. Claremont, the you know, the main bad guy. He does a little industrial espionage. He steals some stuff, puts it on a hard drive, and tries to escape. What happens? His little Radio Shack equipment runs out of battery juice, and he gets taken out by a, a, a guard that to me is just like, you know, Bridget Nielsen's stunt double that she looks like. <laughs> it just like it completely takes him out. And McCaddy, what does he do? He's like, okay, you know, I, I have a, such a grudge against people that, you know, do me wrong. I'm going to frame you for murder. And he's like, but I didn't kill anybody. And he, so he just shoots his head of security. This seems counterproductive. It just seems counterproductive. It's just like the, when you have such a high mortality rate for your health. But <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah. The following court thing. This also ha- movie. This movie also has some weird editing, like the original Wedlock, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden it's just it cuts from you know like in the original Rucker Howard gets shot. Next thing you know, he's just on a bus, fully healed up, heading to prison. And this one, all of a sudden, they frame him for murder, and now all of a sudden he's going to court by Zoom meeting. Like yeah. I guess. Like I mean, maybe that was the uh, like the futuristic thing. Like you know, and I give them that. That you know, just like the Jetsons, they were ahead of their time. Look, here we go. We got Zoom meeting court. Right. <laughs> and this and this is followed by I don't know what you think about this, Marcus, but I felt like this following sequence was gearing up for something really, really good when they showed the prison. That, that yeah. said it like at uh, what was it called? Playland. Playland. A, We're sending you to Playland. <laughs> yeah, doesn't. And that was the actual name of the place. It was Playland Amusement Park. I looked. It was a Pacific National Exhibition Grounds of the Playland Amusement Park in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So, you know, this was really a decommissioned, you know, uh, amusement park. You you see, you know, the roller coasters and the Ferris wheel and everything and thinking, wow, OK, a prison setting in a dystopian future in a, you know, an old like amusement park. Max kind of world. They, they, and it's it's I like the setup because I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. You know, they, they took over an amusement park. It's a prison. There's no fence around it. It's just that red line painted, you know, around the perimeter. And of right. course, they've got the collars on. So if they pass the perimeter, you know, their heads explode. But there's the thing with the prison is they come once a week to drop off new prisoners and food. But it's, you know, just a free for all, you know, all the gangs, all, all the criminals separate off into gangs. And, you know, I'm like, oh, this is a pretty cool, like, you know, concept. And it ends. Um, <laughs> 
and I, I suggest, uh, sir, this is the time we take another drink, you know, because yeah. it's going to get thick from here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, the, you know, once you get past the industrial espionage part, you know, and actually get to Playland, for the next 10 to 15 minutes is the most exciting part of the movie. And we we kind of glossed over it, you know, what McCaddy's character, uh, Claremont wants the Tony Archer character to do is to find this uh, prisoner named Allie Thompson, just played by Nia Peoples, that had stolen, you know, supposedly, air quotes again, supposedly stolen $75 million from him and to return her to him and then he would make charges of murder go away so that's like the gist of the movie you know nobody can trust one another again just like in wedlock they did keep that kind of motif going up yeah but um it's like they changed their own science now instead of the prisoners being wedlocked again to another prisoner they just have the collars on and if they get what there's a i think they said there was a half mile radius range yeah, if, they, if they cross it they have 45 seconds to like come back into the circle right it's like okay i mean i i like movies with their own tech but like at least stand by you know what i mean uh you, you know <laughs> Stand by your own tech. Don't change it from movie to movie. You know, and it does have some of the the, the same offbeat humor, you know, uh, but like there's just no real threat in this movie. The Jekyll character, the top con, as he put it, you know, the head guy, or the you know, the head prisoner. He's just not all that threatening. He's just a guy dressed like, you know, everybody else. He's got a pipe that he's swinging yeah, around. It everybody. was kind of like, I don't know, a low rent warriors. <laughs> warriors come out to play. <laughs> right, right. It was like a low rent warriors, but just done on a much lesser of a level. Uh, and like, the, yeah, it was, it was uh, like a cool setup. He finds the girl and of course, instantly like decommissions their necklaces but i set them so so then they were wedlocked because like they were set to each other so she can't wander why <laughs> that was okay yeah and they, like, yeah, that seemed like a bad spoiler, idea. They make it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i will say one thing 21 minutes in and we get our first first head goes boom boom and yeah. It's done digitally, at least I, I'm guessing it was. It looked digital to me, but it it was done very well, you know. For I mean, 1995. Yeah, I, no, I level. actually I actually had that thought. I was like, I was trying. I was like, well, what was the digital capabilities back then? I think they may have blown up like a dummy head or a practical head, but instead of like you know digital splatter, it's I think it's just a composite overlay. Yeah, yeah, but it's done very well. I mean, for 95 level of special effects i mean yeah for, for <laughs> something that feels like a made for tv movie i, I think it was pretty good yeah and, and it, it kind of like had my hopes up but like you know this is still during the playland part so i, I had my hopes up that they were still gonna they, there was hope there was still hope at this point it wasn't for about another 10 minutes or so where i finally just sat down now fuck it abandon all hope you who enter here yeah <laughs> But I have the question, like, they had the, the, the head explosion at 21 minutes in. I wrote it down. And then 30 minutes in, almost exactly at the 30-minute mark, they blow up Jekyll's head. And yeah. another good compositing digital effect. I mean, it looked really good for, like I said, 95 level of effects. But I, so much potential was squandered. I, I'm sure you agree. That they just like, utilized through play. the cool prison stuff. Like, maybe they only had one night to shoot, you know, at an abandoned amusement park. <laughs> Right. And just had to cram it all kind of in, you know, to a little quick 
chase sequence and then you know their heads explode and then okay they made it out and now it's and again just like the first film just kind of almost verbatim they end up on you know vehicles getting their way out of town like in a train and <laughs> even getting into onto the the train is a fiasco because yeah, Allie doesn't <laughs> listen and instead of jumping on three she jumps on one and then Isai Morales just stands there and looks at her you know, as she jumps and he's realizing she's getting further away, but he's not jumping. I'm just <laughs> like, dude, jump. Are you going to lose your head? And, and when she lands, she lands in a pile of hay and pig shit in a, <laughs> like an open car filled with pigs. And she is clearly not comfortable. The actress is clearly not comfortable <laughs> around these pigs because she's trying so hard not to touch them. And she's like literally has a line where she's like, get out of my way, Porky. It was just like. Oh really? That, that's the choice you went with. That's what we. That's what we're going with here, right? But man, uh, but yeah, they severely underutilized Playland. Once they left there, there was so much potential, but it just it just falls apart after that. I feel like that's the high point of the movie, and from there, it steadily just gets worse. And I don't know if you felt the same way um, with the original movie. I thought the humor was really well timed and well played in the movie. But this kind of missing all of that. <laughs> yeah, like they have still have some of the 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 ill-timed humor you know in the middle of this action adventure sci-fi movie but it plays off more awkward than funny am i right yeah it's um i don't know and and they just i don't know kind of copycat everything from the original almost like you know play by play they just kind of do the same things like okay they got away you know this first thing but now they need to like change their clothes so they don't look like criminals and they break in to like a ATM and steal some money so they can go shopping for some clothing. They got to change their looks. I mean, at least they weren't wearing a, a terrible jacket. I, that I did, power picked out. But. I did say I did have one note here. I said at least these two have better fashion sense than uh, <laughs> our escape criminals in the original. Yeah. They at least picked yeah. clothes that didn't stand out like a sore thumb. Oh, did, did you notice like the exact outfit, like when they're trying on clothes and this like weird sort of trying to be sexy looking through the curtain as they're changing clothes. Uh, she picks up some red vinyl dress skirt thing. I don't know, like a top. And then yeah. when they get to uh, Sarah Strange's house, Layla, his ex-lover, like she's wearing that exact top. I was oh. like, is that a planned humor or is that just wardrobe prop department being cheap? And they're like, here, just use this here. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say it was this lazy uh, wardrobe department. <laughs> but I think that that she cycled through and, and found that same outfit that uh, the, uh, yeah. the the one character uh, the, oh, Layla what the was wearing. Yeah. Like, and let's talk about her for a second. I didn't trust her the minute she showed up. The minute she, they showed up at her doorstep, I was like, oh, don't trust her. She's going to turn you guys in for the money. That's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I will say one thing. The stakes are slightly higher in this movie because instead of trying to retrieve $25 million in stolen diamonds, they're trying to get retrieve $75 million in stolen money. So the stakes, at least in that respect, are higher. The budget is not. You know? <laughs> but uh, there's the one part about this movie that I, I feel that also doesn't it just doesn't work is there is no chemistry between Isai Morales and Nia Peoples. Like, I mean, like she was, you know, she wasn't a bad actress, but like it just felt like a made for TV version of characters Sandra Bullock plays. And I don't know, Demolition Man or that bus movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, speed. Yeah. But yeah. Who? Yeah. It, it, it felt like, a, it, like he's like this super tech guy who can 
I don't know, like whatever his tech skills were supposed to be. But she was like a financial hacker, kind of. (laughs) Right. And there was nothing about her that said hacker. And there was nothing about him that said break-in artist. <laughs> it just, just, there was just no, like I said before, there was no chemistry between the two. At least between Amy Rogers and Rucker Hauer in the original, there was something there. They're just, uh, they were just A-list actors that were in a B-list film. This felt like a B-list film starring C-list actors. And yeah. I don't mean that, like... I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I totally <laughs> agree. I'm, you know, it's not like that. They're exactly like bad actors, but they're not names you see a lot. But both of them clearly still working, but like not a name people know. And then but even like their their relationship kind of status, they they don't trust each other. It's like it was all verbatim from the first film. Oh, I've had these relationship problems and I don't trust anyone anymore. (laughs) And it was so like hammy and kind of over the top with I don't trust people. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it was just kind of ham-fisted doing the same thing all over again. Even, you know, everything, uh, like, the only thing I have to say is, like I said, they did have at least have better fashion sense than Rucker Howard maybe <laughs> Rogers did in the original. You know, but that's about the only thing they did right. But let's talk a little bit about the action. The action even feels like much lower stakes and lower octane. Like, for instance, when they're trying to escape and each of them get into different trucks thinking that they're both in the same truck and you even for a moment think they're in the same truck and then it's very clear that they're in two different identical trucks moving at different speeds and the one that's like and and again the editing like how how they just kind of skip ahead it's like oh there's some furniture in this warehouse that we're gonna run from the police from and then all of a sudden it's busy and full of people wheeling them around and they they clearly hid in furniture and got pushed onto two different trucks. So it's like the uh-oh moment, they're going to get separated, you know, just like the first film when they're on the bus, you know, <laughs> the two Oh, yeah, yeah. Each it was, again, like just verbatim reenacting the first movie with like little innovation to make it more like thrilling i don't know every all the action sequences just felt flat like you never feel like they're in danger (laughs) it never feels like the stakes are real Mm -hmm. it it felt like again like it feels like it it is it's a just a really bad made for tv movie and you know folks you know at home we're listening we're not saying this is so bad it's good at least i'm 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 just speaking for myself here but i feel like this is so bad it's so bad. bad It's good. Like, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. I mean, maybe because I saw it when I was a kid and I just remembered the exploding heads and I just thought that was awesome. You know, but like, yeah, this one, not so much. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh, man, what a this is definitely a forgettable film. (laughs) Because if I saw it, I forgot it. Yeah, if I saw it, I definitely forgot everything about this. I had, I swore I had seen it, but I remembered absolutely not a lick of this movie. And I think uh, the worst, like title change like to be a sequel or remake you know i mean the the whole title of escape zone 14 is the most like why would you call a film that (laughs) you know like that's and and it's like the deadlock title is more like the kind of unofficial title right 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 yeah like they they push the tagline into being the title because it was a hard one to find. I was like, what the fuck is Deadlock 2? Trying to do searches. And I'm like, Wedlock? I mean, because I saw the film as Deadlock and my VHS says Deadlock. So to me, the film will always be Deadlock. The whole Wedlock thing. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
When did that happen? <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know. But, yeah, it felt like they just wanted to get more mileage out of the same script. So they're like, we'll change some names. We'll change some uh, – we'll mix things up. We'll change 20% of this script, rehash it, and just, you know – they throw it in a blender and there you go but yeah the escape from zone 14 is such a small part of that of this movie yeah it just pans by like the fun land or playland or whatever prison and it's just something on the sign it just says zone 14 yeah (laughs) it's that is that small of importance that minor of importance to the movie but you know we even get uh, even the sequence you know where they're doing the where like for instance in the first movie where Rucker Howard repels down the side of the building trying to get down to the bottom floor where Mimi Rogers is being escorted out it's just like Isai Morales is in an elevator knocked out and she's Allie uh, Nia Peebles is just sliding down the cables to get to her is this choreographed so shittily it's not choreographed well at all and let's talk about something i know you want to talk about this because we mentioned it off the air where did those gloves come from yeah i had to back it up because i was like wait a minute she's got gloves on because when she jumped in she grabs the elevator cables and she's you know clearly now like 30 floors above them so she's got to slide down so their heads don't explode and oh i'm like wait she's got gloves on when did she put those what and i backed (laughs) it up and nope no, she pries open the elevator door with no gloves and then cut to the inside. She jumps down. And she's got gloves. I was like, where'd they come from? <laughs> <laughs> it was the magic of editing, sir. <laughs> oh, man. I think the other thing that is a travesty of this movie is really the best actor of the movie is Stephen McCaddy. I love him. He's great. Everything I see him in from History of Violence uh, to the highly underrated Pontypool, which I think is a great movie. But he's wasted in this movie. You know, yeah, he's in he's he's like definitely he plays like, you know, the sharp elitist asshole, but it I feel like it's wasted. He could have been way more of a a villain to be feared. <laughs> yeah, again, a very um, Hallmark uh, Channel movie of the week, you know, TV movie of the, the week level of bad guy. It's just like he wasn't allowed to just cut loose and be a villain. They, I feel like they played things very, very safe. And this is where I made a note here and I put in very in all cap letters in my notes here. The actors seem very fucking bored. <laughs> they're always they always look like they're about ready to fall asleep. And, and again, everybody from McCaddy to Morales to uh, to Peoples, all very accomplished actors and have done some great things. But in this movie, not so much. Yeah, I mean uh, Douglas Arthur's who plays the henchman. Like you know, he's got a really cool look, but. Eh, so flat give them some material to work with <laughs> yeah and i don't blame the actors at all like i, I just no. blame bad story writing script writing like that's what's bad you know yeah i think what's what's bad about this is the the writing for one and i, the I just direction. hope all of their paychecks didn't bounce like i hope their checks cleared and they could just walk away and be like okay well i paid rent that month you know <laughs> <laughs> right right I can afford my dental insurance for another month. You know, I can I can go get my teeth fixed and I can pay my rent. That's a great thing. But yeah, yeah, I, I hope for them. I pray to the almighty Crumb and Cthulhu that, they, that their paychecks did not bounce. <laughs> but every action scene, you know, and I'm using the term action scene very loosely, it keeps ramping things up just to slow the fuck down the next moment. Like, mm-hmm. for, for instance, like when they go back to break into... Claremont's uh, 
office just for it to slow down again to get some more of this backstory and like you know me usually i'm all for giving the actors and the characters some backstory but in this movie i just didn't give a shit (laughs) i hate to say it that way but it's like everything is just it just seems uh, so repetitious of the first movie that they didn't take any chances and they did things half as good. Yeah, they d- they didn't try and like up the ante like you raise. Uh, I mean, outside of the money they're doing, you know, it was right. like twenty five million. Now it's seventy five million. But outside of that, they didn't really try and do anything new, different, no. innovative. I mean, and I still stand by that. I think. You know, the premise of both movies, I guess, because they're the same premise in both movies. Right. But like, like if, if you were to do a remake nowadays and just, I don't know, even on a smaller budget, which would be probably bigger than their budget. But like, you know, on a medium size, five to ten million, which is micro budget in Hollywood terms. But like you could make a really crazy, fun, over the top take on the deadlock prison necklace you know like you could really go some places with it and i just think they didn't do that with the sequel no no it felt like they they had a great chance to up the stakes and up the ante a little bit and they just didn't they just didn't do it on on any level like it's so many things like the only thing i thought they did that was innovative besides having the prison be at the playland which i thought was a great idea that again they kind of squandered but like when okay like for instance like, I don't like the setup when they go uh, to Vegas. If somehow they manage to even make Las Vegas look fucking boring, <laughs> you know, it's like usually, you when know, when they movie- took that tiny plane from British Columbia or Vancouver or wherever Canada, they took that tiny plane down to Vegas. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I've never flown a tiny plane before, but like, I don't know how how far gas will get you. <laughs> but it's the future of 1995. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But look, let's talk about that. That's one thing I thought they did that was different. They actually got a plane into the mix. You know, he goes when he goes to his ex-wife's house mm-hmm. and he sees his, his dog bones, which I thought was a nice wink and nod to the beginning when he's using his uh, he's entering in his password and his password is bones. So it was mm-hmm. his dog that he obviously still loved. But they get to the, the ex-wife's See, house. It's the same script. <laughs> yeah, it's the same script. But, you know, they, they get to the ex-wife's house. The ex-wife's not even there. You expect at least like a, a confrontation or something like, nope, they're just going around the house. Some boring expositional dialogue about how she, his ex-wife was a career woman and didn't want to have kids and didn't want to commit. But then all of a sudden he she's sees, <laughs> yeah, she's got kids and there's kid toys everywhere. But oh, I guess she just didn't want to have kids with me. It's like, hey, uh, remember, you still have, you know, these industrial espionage goons after you trying to kill you. Get back on the clock here, you know, cry about I'm, your <laughs> long lost I'm love later. A, I'm not a betting man, but I'll bet you that was like one of the producer's homes or a friend of the producer's homes. Like, hey, we got to put your cool house in the movie. Right, right. Well, that was uh, that was how low of a budget they had. They had to put the producer's house in the movie. But what they did do right was that, you know, he had lost his plane, the house, the dog and the plane in the marriage. Well, they get they have that little car chase, which is, again, just not exciting with a car chase with a, a motorcycle and a mid 90s Corvette. You would figure would at least be semi high octane and a little bit, um, you know, engrossing and getting engrossed in the action. But no, it's just not very good but when they get into the air and they're flying all of a sudden it just takes that turn when she when she says when Allie says to him oh do you smell something burning then it's like like a snap they have to like oh the engine's failing we have to bail 
So, of course, you know, they're both going to jump out. They're going to get separated. You know, somebody's shoot isn't going to open up or, you know, what the fuck ever. I mean, I was... I was to be put it quite honestly, I, I was I was checked out at this point. I was just like, when is somebody gonna die? Is somebody else gonna lose their head here? But the thing they do so bad, this is supposed to be now I'm gonna ask a question here. And this is kind of simply rhetorical. This is supposed to be a science fiction action movie, correct? Yeah. Why is it the one thing that blows up in the movie, besides the the two different heads that blow up, the one explosion they're gonna have in the movie happens <laughs> off camera? Budget, budget. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of this, like, like when they land, they couldn't afford the plane explosion. Like you hear the, the cameras focused on them. He's asking her, if she's all right because she took a tumble when they landed from free falling. And you hear that bad effect that the. Well, I'm doing better than the plane is, and this is like that's their way of saying it. Yeah, we blew up the plane, but we couldn't show it to you. It was just like, oh, like, oh man, it was just. And the way everything sums up in the end, when they get to Vegas, you know, I know they're trying to give you some moments of tension here where she is talking to the bank executive, trying to give, you know, her information to get this $75 million out. And she's nervous. And the bank teller is noticing, no, oh, you're a little nervous, aren't you? And, you know, <laughs> and Isai Morales <laughs> diverts attention from McCaddy and, uh, oh, God, I forgot the the guy that plays the right hand, thug, Douglas yeah, Arthur. The henchman, uh, Arthur something yeah yeah douglas arthur's rollins was his name that was it i I had to look it up i cheated and looked it up but you know he's like they're here you know rollins and claremont are here i'm gonna distract them you know there was some neat little give and take there where he's finally got her necklaces or not necklace but her deadlock necklace is off he had a a computer gizmo, I forgot what he exactly called it, but that was trying to figure out the code to get the necklace off so that it would be defunct. Well, he finally gets his off and he plants it. And, you know, there's a little exposition there going back and forth. It's cutting between him in the casino next door and her in the bank. I do kind of like the moment where she walks up to the casino and she has that second <laughs> that second thought, like, mm, maybe I should just walk away with the $75 million and leave this guy. But no, she goes for it. But uh, Morales is doing such a horrible job of trying to be inconspicuous in this casino. He's like, he looks like a guy. Casinos are like the easiest places to blend into. You know, you can disappear in a casino, just act normal. But all of a sudden, like for somebody who's acting normal, the whole movie can't act normal. Yeah, when it matters most, he can't act normal. And I feel like it all, for a movie that was not cohesive and didn't bond together well, it falls apart even worse towards the end because the finale is just all kind of fizzle. It, it just fizzles out. Oh, my God. Like, they get the money. You know, McCaddy gets the money. And you know what's going to happen because we've seen this movie before. They planted the explosive necklace in the money with the bearer bonds. But when the silliest part, and this is this, you stop me if I'm wrong, Marcus. Stop me if I'm wrong. But it's not the silliest part in the movie when McCaddy realizes that the bomb necklace is in his case full of money. Instead and he of just throwing it. it. Yeah, he, he just hugs. Like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, I guess this is how I go out. And so he hugs it, and instead of throwing it away from him, getting it as far away from him as possible, it explodes and just like sends the bear bonds sending in every direction. And it's so, it's again, it kind of halfway happens off screen where you don't really see, you just see the bear bonds flying through the air and him landing on the poker table. It's just bad. Yeah, most of the action happens off screen. It's really weird. <laughs> And I really don't like the ending where they're in the Zoom meeting 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, Zoom meeting corp. You know what? Again, I, I will have to say one thing for the the future. Sometime in the near future of 1995, they had something right about how things were going to happen. Zoom meetings would become big time here in recent years. So they kind of they kind of hit that one on the nose. So I'll give them that much. I'll give them a point for that. But it just fizzles, you know, at the end, it's like, oh, we lost all the money. But, you know, that yeah, they blew up $75 million to have $8 million in interest. To get $8 million in interest, they blew up $75 million. It seemed really counterproductive way to make $8 million. And then it's, oh, okay, we still have a percentage of the money and credits. Yeah, and it <laughs> like just frees ended. <laughs> yeah, it just freeze frames on them running away arm in arm and and just like that's it. That's all we got. I mean, yeah, um, I'm struggling to find anything positive to sum up this movie with. <laughs> but <laughs> But that being said, I think we've covered this movie from top to bottom, unless there's any other uh, aspects of it that you want to cover before we get into our final thoughts and rating. Yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, no. <laughs> Let me ask you this before I have you give your final thoughts and your rating on a scale from one to ten. Will you ever be watching this movie again? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm with you there. I can feel like the original Wedlock I could watch that again. I mean, I'll pick it up, you know, this week, this month, but I'll definitely watch it again. Yeah. I mean, the first deadlock I, I've seen a couple times throughout the years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this one, man, I'm not going to be picking this one up again unless somebody else wanted me to review it for another show, which I would probably politely just tell them I've done did that. I've done been there. <laughs> yeah. If, if you've never seen this film, I don't want to ever tell someone don't watch a film, but you should watch it. <laughs> But understand, it's not good. Oh, no, it's not. It's I, I'm, I'm thinking of an old Bugs Bunny line. It's like, ain't I a stinker? That's about what I think about with this movie. It's a stinker. Mm. But that being said, we do things the same way here on Sequel 2 Deja Vu as we do on all my other shows. Uh, kind of give a summary of your thoughts on this movie and, and a rating on a scale from 1 to 10, bud. Mm, um, <laughs> definitely <laughs> a 1. I'd just give it a 1. Oh, wow. And I like, I love watching bad movies. I just hate when bad movies aren't fun. Yeah, there's, I love a good bad movie, a a movie that's so bad it's good, but this doesn't do it. It commits the cardinal sin for me. It's boring. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't quite give it a one. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not coming in terribly higher than you. I'm giving it a two. (laughs) <laughs> just because I liked, I thought it had some ideas that could have been great. Uh, the, the couple of head explosions were done really, really well. I like Stephen McCaddy in it. I like the idea and the, the prospect of the, the quote unquote playland. It just, mm-hmm. and that's it. I mean, nothing else is really any good with this movie. Like if there could be a remake of either one, mix them together. Who, yeah. I mean, they're, they're essentially the same movie, but I don't know if, if it had a, a director like Rennie Harlem behind it, you know? Yeah. Imagine how the direct action that would be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Rennie Harlan. This, 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 this is a man that knows how to direct action. Can you imagine something like Rennie Harlan? Or while we're already dreaming here of a remake of this, imagine somebody like John Woo directing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'd have heads blowing up in slow motion with doves flying in the air behind them in the background. Oh, but. Yeah, maybe Paul Verhoeven. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, it's a lot of potential that was just squashed like a bug under your shoe. It was just not, not very good. I mean, I'll, now, granted, I'm glad 
glad we watched it. I'm glad you suggested it because we were like, hey, you know, there's a sequel. We should probably watch it. I'm like, oh. you know, why not? I was excited, but here's the bad. This is this is the worst part for me. I don't know. I mean, because we're both movie collectors, we got like a huge collection. Yeah, I but got I thousands. have very, I have a very bad habit. If I don't like something, I completely forget that I've seen it. My mind just erases it. It's like, well, I don't need to take up any space on that. And so I forget. And then I'll buy something again or watch something again. So I hope this episode serves as a reminder. Don't don't watch this again. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm glad I'm glad we watched it because while I might not have had a fun time you know, watching us because it was just such a chore to get through. I had a fun time reviewing it with you. At any time, I mean, movies are my favorite thing to talk about. So anytime I can talk about a good movie or even a bad movie, it's fun times because I love talking about movies that I love and I love picking on movies that I hate. It just so happens that this falls into the latter ca- category. And that's... I mean, the next one we should do, like, I don't know, maybe Hobgoblins 2 or Munchies 2. Or like Munchies Strike Back. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Saturday the 14th, you know, part two. Ghoulies 4, Ghoulies Go to College, something like that. <laughs> yeah, we should do stuff in that vein. Yeah, I'll try those to are pick fun something bad. to do. Yeah, those are fun bad. Hobgoblins 2, fun bad movie. Even something like one of the curse sequels, they're loosely, <laughs> you know, sequels. Those are movies that are so bad they're good. Uh, I, I think we need to pick one of those next. I'm going to put my vote in for Ghoulies Go to College. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Right on. Well, something to cleanse the palate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I like a bad movie. There was a quote, I think, in um, it was a book Stephen King had had put out about writing and put, you know, he's like sooner or later in your life, you hit a point where you have you get a taste for shitty movies, but they got to be fun. And I agree with that. You know, you get a taste. Yeah. For, I have a taste for like I was movies. I was hoping like this gets really ridiculous because as far as I'm concerned, I had never seen it. So I was like, OK, sequels have a tendency to be either milk toast bad or so bad they're amazing or actually amazing. This, this one was, was the milk toast. Well, I mean, this was just so milk toast. What a letdown. <laughs> it was like wet milk toast. <laughs> it was as bad. Soggy. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to say we do like one of the ghoulies or something to that effect. The munchies that you mentioned, that that sounds good. Even something like Gremlins 2, which is a bonkers fucking bad, you know, sequel. That's this movie that's a sequel that took went into the the crazy so bad it's good territory. But this one, Mm -hmm. it just it was boring (laughs) to call it milk toast is just it's an offense to milk toast, man. It's just bad. (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. Do you have anything coming up real quick that you want to plug before we go? Ah, I knew your version of bad blood, weren't you? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I did a DVD of bad blood, my first movie, because it never really had a, an official release, but if anyone wants to watch a a shot on VHS by a 14 year old, uh, (laughs) It's surprisingly pretty gory, some of my early, early, early effects work. But yeah, not a good movie. <laughs> we should just review that. Can I just make fun of my films? We can <laughs> do that. If, if, if you want to, we could do that. I mean, we have the forum, man. We have yeah. technology. We can make it happen. Okay. <laughs> right on. Well, but I want to thank you for coming back on this one. Uh, sorry, this wasn't such a good one uh, to review, but uh, yeah, that one's it, on you. It was my pick. That was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I own that. <laughs> I tell you what, I will think about this for a day or so and a day or two and come back at you with a couple of titles. Um, one of them is definitely going to be Ghoulies 4, but I'm going to think of a couple of others to kind of throw at you and kind of we'll throw something at the wall and see what sticks. 
Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Hopefully do a, a more fun one than the next yeah. time. <laughs> All right. Well, folks okay. listening at home, you have been listening to Sequel 2 Deja Vu. We have been reluctantly uh, <laughs> reviewing Deadlock 2, The Escape from Zone 14. And as always, folks, thanks for listening. 30 seconds. Good response time. Mr. Claremont's going to be pleased. What are you talking about? I'm on the payroll, okay? This is a test. You passed. I like the way you handle yourself. Really? Really. See what Mr. Claremont has to say about this.